question. What do you expect from God? I find people have a wide variation of expectations of God. I mean wide, big, wide expectations, quite a variety of expectations. What, what do you think God should be doing for you? Well, everybody's got an opinion. Everybody, if you say, I don't have one. Yeah, you do. You really do have one. And uh, what kind of life do you expect uh, him to give you? And so tonight we're going to go to the Bible because it's so important that you get a grip on this. I, it, it's very hard for us, uh, we, we that have been raised in this massive, massive prosperity, state of prosperity called the United States. It is very hard for us to get a grip on the subject I'm going to teach about tonight. And so I spent a little time, I have spent quite a bit of time meditating, going over and studying, going through the Bible on this to make sure. And and I preach on the subject on a relatively regular basis, different passages and different messages, but the same subject. I have about 32 subjects that I preach on in, in preaching the whole counsel of God, about 32 subjects. And so... Let's go over this tonight, and hopefully the Lord will speak to us and give you some understanding of what it is that you can expect from God as a born-again believer. I want to say that before I go forward, Nora Carbon and Andrea Lytell have really been knocking them out. They've led some people to Christ at the PCR ministry. Both of them led a, a person to Christ this week, and it's a beautiful thing. I love to hear people getting saved, you know what I mean, really born from above, and if you've ever volunteered, your ladies ever volunteered down there, you may want to talk to them, give it some shot, and give the opportunity to give the gospel. It's a great thing. You never, nobody's going to get saved unless you give the gospel. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You got to have find some somewhere somehow to give the gospel. And so, in Hebrews chapter eleven, verse thirty-six, it's of course you know this to be the chapter of the Bible, maybe the greatest faith chapter in the Bible. It speaks about the faith of, of about 17 named people. But there are others that are unnamed that are just referred to um, in the part, last part of the chapter. And, and it goes through that, and, and after it names those 17, it says, Others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. And they were stoned, and they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, they were slain, slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. And notice what it says about them. Of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, they were not failures. They were those who obtained a good report from God, received not the promise. And that's interesting, and that is representative, by the way. And that is, I meant, I meant uh, the doctor that did my melanoma surgery, uh, his wife is real big health and wealth, Pentecostal health and wealth. And they believe that God wants to make you healthy and wants to make you wealthy, yet her husband 
spent 35 years or so cutting melanoma out of people. And so I had a little chance to talk to him about, you know, this was God's will and this was God using this to help me to understand who he was and grow deeper in my faith and maybe in a vehicle to take me home even, you know, if it didn't work out. So one way or another. And I told, I was talking to the surgeon, her husband, because he was open. He was open for some more. I said, you, you want to study uh Historically, what happened to the what happened to the apostles? Those are the beloved, hand-picked apostles that the Lord Jesus Himself taught, Himself gave examples to. They heard the Sermon on the Mount. They saw His miracles. Uh, there's 48 parables and 34 miracles recorded in the Bible, and that's just a fraction of what was actually done. The Bible says clearly there was much, much more done than that, and so. It's just give the Bible is just a book of not every not all knowledge. It's just the knowledge we need to know. The book it's a book of need to know. These are the things you need to know as a born again believer. You'll find out who God is and how He treats His people. And remember, I talked about on Sunday about people getting bitter at God. You don't like people get bitter at God. They have expectations of God that are not real. You with me? Oh, this is good marriage counsel. Having expectations of your mate that are not real and then trying to force those expectations and if those expectations aren't fulfilled you have somebody going around in their marriage completely disappointed always disappointed the mate never quite lived up to my expectations that's because your expectations were too high uh, give your expectations to God and let God work the thing out and uh, that's so big I can't even tell you I see it violated all the time expectations, expectations, expectations. Church doesn't, people come into church and expect, they have a certain thing they expect their pastor to be. He's got to look this way and act this way and talk this way and always be a gentleman and always do this and everything. And trust me, I never meet their expectation. And, and they go away oftentimes disappointed in me. But you realize you go around being disappointed all the time, that's not good. You need to be thrilled. That God gave you a local church to go to, even if it's imperfect. Even if the preacher don't meet all your expectations, because possibly your expectations are not biblical expectations. They're personal expectations. Same thing with a marriage. You know, a guy, you know, I want my man to do this, or I want my man to do that, or I want my woman to do this. And trust me, I know what you're talking about. You've got to be careful. I believe we live in a bubble. In 2022, I know we do. I, I just know it's to be true. Our forefathers expected and got persecution from their heathen around them. But how the people got encouraged to come over here was persecution from the Church of England against the pilgrims and didn't want them to worship the way they wanted to worship. Now, why would a government want to control the way people want to worship? But the Church of England wanted that control, King George and them, and they wouldn't let them. So they, they literally left everything they knew to be secure, their country, their military protection they had in England, the land. They left everything, got on a ship, and they weren't sail, sailors, okay? They probably were seasick, deathly seasick the whole time they came over here. Many of them didn't make it over here. When they made it over here, of course, you know, Jamestown, they all died. They, they didn't make it through the winter hardly. And so what was all that about? The, the, they, the government had expectations 
about them. And they weren't going to let them live among them unless they fulfilled their expectations. They wouldn't let them have freedom. But they understood the persecution of as being just for, by the way, you're starting to see if you're, if you're, if you got your head up at all, you're seeing the intensity of hatred for this, for the Christian philosophy of life being verbalized on CNN and MSNBC and all these other big major, major networks. They, they, they can't. Some, I, I read the other day, one guy said, I do not want to live in a country with these people. Talk about us. They don't want to share a country with us. Well, that, sounds like, that sounds like England. What are we hurting? Once in a while, we leave them a gospel track, knock on their door, ask them to be saved. They tell us to get out. I mean, otherwise, what do we really do to them? We don't do anything. Just us being around them bothers them. It's light and darkness, as you know. Our forefathers understood that. We have not had that treatment in the United States since our founding fathers declared independence from England. And I want you to know this, and most of you do know this. God's goal for you is not a happy, healthy life with no pressure. In fact, after you get done tonight, you're going to know God's goal for you is pressure. He wants you to be under pressure. He wants you to be challenged. He wants your faith to grow. And there's only one way really for that to happen. So wherefore, look at some of the verses. This is just a, a spattering of the Bible. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God. So it is the will of God in many ways that you suffer. But I want to live a suffer-free life. Good luck. You ain't going to, ain't going to have it. But you, you say, well, I know so-and-so went through life. Hardly had anything go wrong. That's an uh, exception. We never make the rule on an exception. We make it on the majority. Don't make it on an exception. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him and well-doing as unto a faithful creator. When you get trouble come your way, put your head down, trust God, and walk through it. He's on the other side. And it says here in 2 Corinthians, and there's so much more there in that chapter, but we had a sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raiseth the dead. I sent that to the Wallings. Sent that to the Wallings. That's an appropriate scripture. Very apropos. Sentence of death. That's when the doctor tells you you've got a few months to live, or a few days to live, a few weeks to live, or whatever. And that's the sentence of death. But when that comes your way, and maybe you'll have the big one, maybe you'll, uh, maybe it'll, maybe it'll be Dr. Bailey if you're watching. Maybe it'll be Dr. Bailey to tell you, well, I'm sorry, but you know, you got the sudden death syndrome right around the corner. But who? But what's that do? What does trouble do? It drives us to God, doesn't it? Because where else are you going to go? Where's you going to go? For unto you it is given in behalf of Christ not only to believe on Him, and I mentioned this Sunday but also to suffer for his sake. So it's the will of God that you have some suffering in your life. I think that's my last slide for that. And then I want to just talk to you and reason with you a little bit about this uh, subject. Um, in Psalm 62, 5, it says, My soul wait thou, upon, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. So we look to God and know that he is... He's going to make it. He's going to help us. He's the one that created us. 
and he's going to take us all the way home. And so don't be disappointed in the way you get treated. If God's goal is not happiness for us, then what is it? Well, here's what it is. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. Moreover, it's required of stewards that a man be found faithful. God wants to build your faith. Let me give you a listing here of 13 different examples real quickly. I don't expect you to be able to follow it, but you can kind of get the gist of it. Abraham was considered faithful, and he was called faithful in the book of Galatians chapter 3, verse 9. Moses was, who is, it says, in faithful in all of his house, according to Numbers chapter 12, verse 7. Uh, Hananiah, he was faithful man and feared God above many in Nehemiah 7, 2, and was given charge over Jerusalem. Daniel says, for as much as he was faithful in Daniel chapter 6, verse 4. Timothy, faithful in the Lord, according to 1 Corinthians 4, 17. Tychicus, which was an amanuensis, which was a recorder. He didn't actually write the Bible. He just listened to what they said, and he wrote it down. A faithful minister in the Lord in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 21. And some of those in the church at Colossae were considered faithful, Colossians 1, 2. Some of those at the church of Ephesus were considered faithful in uh, Ephesians 1, 1, introduction. Onesimus a faithful and beloved brother in Colossians chapter 4, verse 9. Paul, it said he got it. Paul said God counted him faithful, putting him in ministry, 1 Timothy 1, 12. Uh, wives, the wives of deacons are supposed to be faithful in all things, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 11. Silvanius uh, was a faithful brother, 1 Peter 5, 2. Jesus Christ is considered a faithful witness called faithful, and true at the second coming, by the way, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, and chapter 19, verse 11. And so it says also in Revelation chapter 17, verse 14, it says, they that are with the Lamb are chosen and faithful. That group coming back with the second coming are considered chosen and faithful. So God, we have this, we have this moment of opportunity as a born-again Christian to show ourselves faithful. When you die, that's over. I, I think I did a podcast on the end of free will. Right now, you have a free will. But as soon as you die, your free will is over. As far as I can tell, free will is over. Now, maybe there's something I don't know. Because I don't know everything. The Bible doesn't tell us everything. It just tells us what we need to know. There may be something on the other side that's different than what we know. That's fine. God do whatever he wants to do. I'm, I trust him. What about you? Amen. I trust him. But right now, you have freedom of choice. Right now, you have the opportunity to react to situations that come into your life biblically, which is faith with trusting God and having faith, or you can squeal and run and have fear and all kinds of distress, and, and you can f basically fail the test. Can you, oh, I get this out of here. Can you fail a test? Well, a test wouldn't be a test if you couldn't fail it. You can fail God's tests. So everything that comes, and the things that have come my way, and I've tried to view this, and I've had lots of different tests through life, more than sickness. Going to college was a big test for me. Uh, just being married has been a big test for me, you know. I'm trying to be the uh, biblical husband that I'm supposed to be, and some of you girls go, wow, he's fallen short on that, but that's okay. 
The ultimate goal of God for you is not happiness. That would be buzzers and lights flashing. And what if I'm not happy? I'm not happy. I don't want to live. Wow. I got this book here called, it's written by John Fox. John Fox organized uh, the material, carefully organized about it, made it, make sure it was true, the material in this book called Fox's Book of Martyrs, John Fox. And he put this together. Everybody ought to have this book at home. You ought to have this book. You ought to read through this book. This will help you. This book, it's been said if I only had a couple, a few books I could have, I'd have the Bible, uh, uh, Strong's Concordance, and The Pilgrim's Progress, and Fox's Book of Martyrs. If you've got those books, and you don't have any other book, if a hurricane comes, take those four books with you. Yeah, leave all your novels. Leave all those romance books. I'll read all that in a minute. But anyway. So, in Ephesus, in chapter, in Revelation, uh, okay, let me get back to what I was saying. God wants us to be faithful. He's not real concerned about you being happy. Happy depends on happenings. Faithfulness depends on trust with God. Endure sufferings as a good soldier of Jesus. Endure, endure hardness. Second, first, Second Timothy, is it 2-3? Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. That's really the message of the Bible. Not to go around the valley. You've got to go through the valley, the shadow of death. You don't get to go around the valley. Through the valley. You guys are in, many of you are in valleys. Right now you're in a valley. You're in a valley of all kinds of different things that are challenging you and pressing you. That's a valley. That's a, woo, that's a, but we don't get to go around that self as born again believers. Now there's a group of people out there saying, oh, God would never do that to you. I had a woman argue with me one day about that. And she said, the God I worship would never do that. And I said, that's because you don't worship the God of the Bible. She looked at me, what do you mean? I said, you're not worshiping the God of the Bible. You're made up of Jesus. He's not the Jesus of the Bible. He's your own little Jesus. He's your own pet Jesus. But he's not the Jesus that died on the cross and shed his blood and was resurrected the third day. And he's not the one coming back. Because the book, he, the book, the word of God, which he, by the way, is the living example of, and we have the written example of, the Holy Spirit wrote it, and, and, the Lord, and Jesus is the living word, or hands have handled the very living word of God, they said, First, first John. So at what cost? Well, let's, let's look. At Ephesus, in Revelation chapter 2, verse 2 through 3, it says, I know thy works, and thy labor, thy patience. Now, how do you get patience through trouble? That thou canst not bear them that are evil, which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience, for my name's sake hath labored, and has not fainted. And all those words have real strong meaning to them. And in Revelation chapter 2, verse 9 through 10, the church is smyrna. It says, I know thy works and thy tribulation. That's trouble. And thy poverty. And then I love in parentheses, but thou art rich. Amen. Stock market dropped 
900 points, the seventh greatest drop in the history of the stock market. You know you're not taking a dime of that with you. You know that. And I know the blasphemy of them which would say they are Jews and are not, and a synagogue of Satan, fear none of those things, but thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried. That you may be tried. You shall have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Now, I often will pray that. I think you ought to pray that. Lord, help me to be faithful unto death, that someday you'd give me the crown of life. Okay? Stephen, a deacon, uh, sought faithfulness, not happiness, and died by stoning after preaching in Acts chapter 7 and 8. James, the brother of John, the apostle, died at the hands of Herod Agrippa I. Acts chapter 12, verse 1. That's a mystery I will that's a mystery I absolutely am astounded by. Here all the training that went into James by Jesus, all that training, and he had him killed up front. Early on, he had him killed. Wow. Philip, a deacon, died at Heliopolis, whatever it is. By scourging and crucifixion. I think Heliopolis. Heliopolis. Heli, well, it's something like that. Maybe I didn't write that right because that don't look right. Matthew is said to have died in Ethiopia in 60 AD. James, the brother of our Lord, was bludgeoned to death in Jerusalem by the Jews. This is historical now. This isn't biblical. This is historical um, testimony. Anathias, a substitute apostle, as you knew he at the beginning of the book of Acts, was beheaded at Jerusalem. Andrew, brother of Peter, was crucified. Mark, the Gospel of Mark, was dragged to pieces at Alexandria. Peter was crucified upside down. Paul was beheaded by Nero. Jude, the brother of James, commonly called Thaddeus, was crucified at Andessa in AD 72. Bartholomew, an apostle, was cruelly beaten and crucified uh, by the impatient idolaters in India. Thomas, an apostle, was thrust through with a spear by outraged pagan priests in India. Luke, author of the gospel, was hanged on an olive tree by idolatrous priests of Greece. Simon, surnamed Zelot, was pre preached, which preached the gospel in Africa and even Britain, uh, where they was crucified in AD 74. John, the apostle, He's the only apostle to escape violent death, just one. He died a natural death, as far as we know, about 100 years old. There was persecution after persecution after persecution. I did a little research. Here are some of the persecutions in the first hmm, 100 years, 300 years. Under Nero, AD 67, persecution. Under Domitian, uh, AD 81. Under Trajan, uh, in, in AD 108, under Antonius in AD 162, under Severus in AD 192, under Maximus in AD 235, under Decius in uh, AD 249, under Valerian under eight, in AD 257. And so under Diocletian in AD 303, and just on and on and on, these persecutions went and continued and continued. But you say, well, they were the, the, the heathen Roman Empire hated Christians. 
and felt that they were a threat to their empire. They contradicted their gods, as you know from the Bible. Uh, Diana of the Ephesians, they cried for two hours. You know, greatest Diana of the Ephesians are so riled up about their gods. And, and what the liberals and the non-believers of this country are upset about are as we contradict their gods. Same thing. It's a threat to them. Light dispels darkness wherever it goes. What is darkness? Darkness is the absence of light. What is light? Light is, it has some properties to it. It's something. But darkness is just the absence of something. Yeah. And so wherever we go, we're light of the world, right? We're salt of the world. We bother them. I was eating at uh, Ted Montana's here about a year ago, and I usually leave a gospel track in the restroom when I use the restroom, or I leave a gospel track on the table when I leave a tip. And I had this waiter come to me, and he says, uh, are, you, are you a Christian? I had my shirt on, and she says, you're, you're a Christian, right? And he says, do you leave those little, those little things, those little gospel? I said, yes, yes, I leave those here. He says, oh, that's really hurting the testimony of the Lord to leave those. He says, them people, this, these, these waiters and waitresses and stuff just hate those little things. And he says, this, they'll never get saved you keep leaving those. I said, they're never going to get saved if they keep hating them. I said, they don't, they don't ask me to give the tip. They don't give the tip back to me. I always tip well. When I come, they're glad to see me. And, and uh, except for Canadian, if you're from Canada, they ain't glad to see you, but no offense, man, but. Canadians have a reputation that precedes them on that, but I know I don't. I don't have any prejudice against myself. Let me read you some things. I just this, out of Fox's Book of Mark. Then I'll be done. Under Diocletian, AD three hundred three. Here's a record: the fatal day fixed upon upon to commence the bloody work was the twenty third of February, three hundred three A.D. That being the day which these three, which was uh, celebrated on, and which his cruel pagans boasted that they hoped to put a termination to Christianity. They want to terminate and exterminate Christianity. On the appointed day, the persecution began, and on the morning of which the perfect uh, prefect of that city repaired, and with a great number of officers and assistants to the church of the Christians were having forced open the doors, they seized upon all the sacred books and committed them to the flames. The whole of this transaction was in the presence of Diocletian, and um, who were not contented with burning the books, but had the church leveled to the ground. This was followed by severe edict commanding the destruction of all other Christian churches and books, and the order, soon, the order soon succeeded to render Christians of all denominations outlaws. And if God doesn't reverse our government the way it is right now, that's coming for us. It will not be something new historically to be an outlaw. It will not be new. It'll actually, actually us not being outlaws is new historically. I call it the Christian bubble. God allowed America to be just this bubble of no persecution or very little persecution. Um, let me read you another one here. 
Well, let me see. Let me go over here. Some of these are pretty graphic. Okay, these three sisters that claimed to be Christian were seized upon at Thessalonica when Diocletian's persecution reached Greece. They were burnt and received the crown of martyrdom in the flames. March 25th, 304. The governor, finding that he could make no impression on Irene, ordered her to be exposed naked in the streets, which shameful order having been executed, a fire was kindled near the city wall, amongst whose flames her spirit ascended beyond the reach of man's cruelty. Yeah. I'm honored to be associated with these people. I'm honored to be associated with these people. This goes on page after page after page after page. Factually researched. This book is credible. Of what happened to our brother. I hate to read you what happened, what the Catholic Church did to our brothers and sisters in Christ. I would you you, you could read it. The Catholic Church mercilessly, horribly, viciously killed and maimed born-again believers because they wouldn't denounce, they wouldn't, they wouldn't uh, consider the Pope to be God or the vicar of Christ, and they wouldn't denounce their faith in Christ, and they burnt them to the stake. You want to know why Protestants aren't necessarily real friendly to Catholics. It's because those were our forefathers that they did that to. Now, I don't have any animosity to Catholics. My wife, I married one after she got born again. But never remember, never forget that monster is laying back there quietly. And given opportunity, that same monster will come out and demand you confess the Pope is the vicar of Christ, or die. It happened over and over and over again. Now, why do I say all that? I'm trying to give you a little shock therapy tonight. This is just a little shock therapy if you're not used to this. I don't know if this will happen with us. I'm 70 years old. I, I somehow doubt whether in my lifetime big persecution is going to happen. I'm not wanting persecution. Our forefathers tried to flee from persecution. Paul was let down by a rope. He tried to get away from it. We don't, we don't like, rejoice in, in getting slaughtered. We're not, we're not, like, stupid. You know, oh, boy, I get to die for Jesus. But if the opportunity presents itself and, and you tried to get away from it as much as you can and God says, I want you to die for me, lift your head up to the sky, your redemption draws nigh. Be faithful unto death, and he'll give you a crown of life. Try to avoid it, but don't deny the truth. Whatever the cost, stick with the truth. And the health and wealth for you and me, that's on the other side. And that's a health and wealth that can't fall 700 points in one day. That's a health and wealth that disease can never interrupt. God's got a man. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. But he's looking for people that are real. 
And so you will be tested. You have been tested if you live very long. You will be tested. Don't be surprised by it. And don't have expectations of God that are just simply not true to who he is. He is not a God of health and wealth. Now, if he gives you health and wealth, thank him every day. Hallelujah, glory to God. But use it for his glory. Use it, use it, use it for his glory. If you, if you got the legs to go door to door, use them to go door to door. If you got the legs, to, if you got the ability to drive a bus and you can't do it, do it. By the grace of God, why you got the time, why you got the chance, why the window's open, do it. Because there'll come a day when that door will shut, and when you want to do it, you can't. And so if you did it when you could, you'll be all right. You'll be all right. I had my season. I rode motorcycles for about 10 years. And we had a great time. Tom and I had many trips. I don't, you know, I don't go around reminiscing. I'm happy with the moment I had, the opportunity we had. It was a track ministry. I mean, we went to places that were remote, man. I mean, they were remote. I mean, they didn't get much of a witness. And so we tried to use it for the glory of God. I mean, that was no excuse. I wasn't trying to do it for that reason. I'm just, we just, everywhere I go is about God. We went to, when I used to lobster in the Keys, I had about one, two, I had five people get saved over 35 years in the Keys with the gospel. And so wherever we went, we brought the gospel. You do the same. Father, thank you tonight for your Holy Spirit. May the Spirit of the living God come, help us to, just be faithful unto death that thou give us someday the crown of life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.